It's lovely to see you all. How are you doing? Hey, what an amazing time of worship, hey? More Lord, that was amazing. So great. And it's so good to be with you all here this morning, uh, worshiping him. And as you know, we are in a, a series entitled Position, all about how we position our hearts for, for him and, and for a move of his spirit. And we're going to dive into that in a minute. But before I do so, um, it's time for me to change the watch. Uh, you know, since the church was founded by Chris and Fliss 30 years ago, every month we've had people pray for this church. And, you know, this place has been built on prayer. And it's so important for all that we do. And so uh, we changed the watch this time last month. And so it's incumbent upon me to do so again. Um, and really, the watch is about praying for three things. The first is spiritual growth, that we would grow in our relationship with the Lord. The second is relational growth as we grow in relationships with each other, that we learn to love each other. And lastly, resources and provision to do all that which he has called us to do. Uh, and so in a minute, what I'm going to ask is I asked in a moment to bow your heads. I'm going to ask to put your, if you put your hand up to say, yeah, that's me this, this month. I want to pray. And it's, you know, a few minutes a day. It's not about the length or the words. It's about the faithfulness, praying in these three things. So when we all bow our heads, Holy Spirit, would you just come now? If you feel a tapping on your shoulder, and that's the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to step up this month and pray, then just raise your hands right now, wherever you are. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Wonderful. Amen. Thank you. There's two more I feel like need to put their hands up. Amen. Bless you. Well done. And you. Bless you. Right. Okay. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down now. Let me pray a blessing on you and um, bless those that have watched the previous month. Lord, we want to thank you uh, that you hear our prayers. Indeed, you are our high priest, and it says that you are interceding for us on the very right hand of God. And so you hear these prayers, and you are faithful and just to answer them as we cry out to you. So I pray this month, Lord, for these new guys that have put their hand up, that they would be faithful in their prayers, that you would prompt them to seek your face. And in so doing, as they serve your people, Lord, would you pour just everything they need into their lives. And for those that have gone before them last month, thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for serving you in this way and your people. Just pour a blessing upon them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Well, uh, as I mentioned at the start, we are in a series entitled Position. There is a hunger and an expectancy that God's going to move, but just as a surfer can miss the wave, so God is calling us to position our hearts for him so we don't miss what God has for us as a people. And so this is really about casting vision for who we are, not what we do. Because what we do really flows out of who we are in Christ Jesus, doesn't it? And so we've been an amazing journey, looked at humility, which was split into two parts, as you know. And then last week, what an amazing time of, of hungering for him and God just feeding us all at that table as we looked at it in Saab 23. And so we really take one of the threads from last week, which was that he leads us in paths of righteousness. And we're going to look at, therefore, faith-filled vision. Faith-filled vision. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the term faith-filled vision, it conjures up in my mind crazy, crazy visions that are so risky they'll fail, but yet I need to muster all the faith I've got to do it. That for me is faith. That's how I see faith-filled vision. You know, all those amazing entrepreneurs that do crazy stuff. Yeah, well, if God's calling me to faithful vision, that must be what it is. Well, I've got some good news for you. That is not really what we're talking about this morning. 
Someone said, thank you. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> it's much better than that, I have to say. You see, faithful vision is this. It's the kind of vision you need to be able to walk in the path that God has for you. That is what we're talking about when we're talking about faith-filled vision. Walking in the path that God presents to you. You see, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, this journey that we are on is a walk. And as we walk, as we commit our ways unto him, he will direct our paths. And oftentimes, you see, we get to a new path, and it will require us to walk it by faith, not by sight. In other words, he requires us to trust and believe in him versus listen to the fears that will set in. That's what it's all about. So let's look at this in more detail. As I talk about faith, some of you might be thinking of Hebrews 11, verse 1, that most famous of verses which talks about faith. And indeed, let's have a look at it now. And I've got this from the Amplified Version because I think it does a really good job of expounding what this means. Now, faith is the assurance... In other words, a title deed. So the same assurance that I have that my house is my house because I have the title deed. It is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, things that are divinely guaranteed. or You could look at it as a promise. So it's an assurance, a title deed of the things God has promised and the evidence of things not seen, i.e. the conviction of their reality. You see, faith comprehends as a fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That is what faith is. It means to believe God and take him at his word, even if you cannot see it yet. And so oftentimes we come to a path, and God says we're going to go in a particular destination, and you know we're like, well, that ain't going to happen, is it, Lord? <laughs> but in that moment, God is requiring us to walk by faith. And we see this in the life of Abraham, in fact, we see him at currently, he's called Abraham in Genesis 15, before God renames him Abraham, the father of all nations. And in Genesis 15, we read a covenant that the Lord has. A covenant is a promise with Abraham. And here God presented to him two things. In other words, a destination that he was going to walk in. And really, this is an elaboration of the Abrahamic covenant that we read in Genesis 12. And so God reminds him, he says two things. Number one, Abraham, your heirs would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham, I'm going to give you a land, the land of Canaan. You're going to take possession of it. Now, for Abraham, he's like, what? Are you serious? I mean, have you seen how old I am and my wife? <laughs> we haven't even got a kid yet. All the stars. And how am I going to take possession of that land? Have you heard the people that live in Canaan? But how does he respond? Well, Paul, when he writes the, to the Romans, he says this, referencing what just happened that we've just read here. And he uses it to describe what faith is, you see. He says this, Abraham believed God, this is Romans 4, verse 3, and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, faith is believing God and saying yes to him. What seemed utterly impossible to Abraham, he said, yes. Now, at this point, I just want to pause and say, it's not that Abraham was devoid of any fear. But he made a choice to believe God in spite of the fear. How do we know this? Well, 
Before God in Genesis 15 outlines these two things, he says, the first thing he says to Abraham is this, do not be afraid, Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your great reward. You see, he could sense what was happening in Abraham. He knew the lies that were going to come in. And so God at the start says this, do not be afraid. What was God doing in this moment? He was focusing Abraham's attention on who God was. But more than that, this is what happened. The father poured his love into Abraham. The father poured his love into Abraham. And in the words of the most popular of 80s hits, what's love got to do, got to do with it? (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) What's love got to do, got to do with it? Well, I'm glad you asked me the question, because it's important. Love is very important. You see, come back with me to the Garden of Eden, pre-fall. Adam is there enjoying everything around him. He's eating all the fruits, except for the apple, of course, at this point. And God presents him the first ever path for mankind. He says this, Adam, I want you to name all the animals. What? All the animals, all the wild animals, all the birds of the air, I want you to name everything. Now, what? I mean, that's a big task, isn't it? But how did Adam respond? We read in Genesis 2, 19, he says this. He just did it. (laughs) No fear here. No debate. Now, if it was me, I'll be completely honest. I'll be like, uh, thank you for saying I can do it, but the reality is I can't. Because, well, I've probably got about 15 names, and I'll run out after 15, you know? Or people are going to look at me and think, why are you naming animals? And they'll think, I'm crazy. No, I don't want to step out for you, Lord. Or maybe I'm just comfortable where I am. This is a very comfortable piece of lawn that I'm lying on. In other words, for me, fear would definitely set in, but not Adam. Why? Because in his pre-fall condition, where his relationship with the Father was perfect, there was no fear. Why? There is no fear in love. You know, Lissy did not know what I was speaking on this morning in terms of the content, and yet she felt led prophetically to lead us in that song. We're no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Why? 1 John 4:18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Let me say it this way: fear operates in the void of love. Fear operates in the void of love. And we see this play out before our eyes as Adam and Eve disobey God and eat the apple. What happens? Man's relationship with God is broken. We know that, don't we? Sin comes in. Pride was the motivation. Rebellion was the action. Love was broken and fear was the result. Pride was the motivation, rebellion was the action, love was broken, and fear was the result. How do we know this? Well, Genesis 3.10, the very next thing that happens, the father comes to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the afternoon, but Adam and Eve hide themselves. Now, what does Adam say? This is so important. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. You see, fear came in in the void of love. Where faith is the assurance of what God has promised, you see, fear is the lie that God cannot be trusted and we are naked and exposed. That's what it comes down to. You see, the opposite of faith is fear. 
You see, we always act out of either love or fear. That's how we act. We always walk out of love or fear. And what did we sing earlier? My fears are clothed in perfect love. That's exactly what happens. So having established that, how do we see fear and faith play out in our life today? Well, we live in a fallen world, yet to be redeemed. And we, all around us, fear is shouting at us, isn't it? You see it when you turn the TV on, you hear it on the radio, you see it on social channels, social media. It is all around us. And what else? The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, doesn't he? We read that. And he is, one of his titles, the father of lies. You see, he subtly seeds fear in us. Lies about who we are and who God is. He robs us. He seems, seeks to rob us of our identity in Christ. And so even though, this is really important to get this, even though our nature has changed, we are new creations in Christ Jesus, it's like our very DNA has changed. Our mind is still being renewed. You know, Paul talks about this in the letter to the Romans. He says this, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, this fallen world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve God's perfect, pleasing will. You see, we have our part to play. We have our part to play. You see, we can position ourselves to hear his love and to receive his love, or we can position ourselves to allow fear to speak to us. You know, who knows that famous verse, Philippians 4, it's two verses, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, with thanksgiving and supplication, present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. A great way to get us out of that place of anxiety and fear. But you know what we always forget, at least I do? It's verse 8. You see, Paul says this. He says, okay, having established what you can do when you're in this situation, let me give you some advice. Don't put yourself in that position in the first place. He says this, therefore dwell on whatever is good, of good report, that is worthy. And as mature Christians, as those of us who are disciples of him, we need to be aware that we have our part to play. We should not be watching things that cause fear. We should not be reading the wrong things, talking the wrong way. Let us dwell on him and his goodness. Let us dwell on him and his goodness. And so what happens in life, you see, is we always hear two, two um, voices. We hear the voice of fear and the voice of faith. That's how it works. And they're not in equal measure, by the way. You see, the more you walk with the Lord... The more your mind is renewed, the more you allow his love to fill you. What happens is, is that voice of fear becomes smaller and smaller. It's not that fear completely disappears. I'm not standing up here saying fear should be completely eradicated from your world because that's not a reality. It is around us. But what we can say as Christians is as we walk with him, we learn to ignore that fear and it becomes smaller and smaller. You follow that? And so we can see a perfect story, which we're going to look at now in the Old Testament, around the 12 spies. You know, Moses and the Israelites come out of Egypt, and they get to that Canaan, where God had promised Abraham so many, 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 many generations before. And they're about to take over the land. And God said to Moses, right, go and send some spies in to spy the land. And then what we see as a result is how they respond in fear and in faith. And so let's turn together to rum, uh, num, rumbers? Numbers. 
read numbers. You put the two odd together, in a way. <laughs> 13. Um, and it's going to be 1, one to um, 14, and then we'll skip to chapter 14. Right. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So there were 12. We won't go through the names there. Let's jump to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land are they living in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwilled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best. Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo Hamath. They went up to the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahiman, Shisha, and Telemai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And this is the report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does indeed flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jezebites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. What a story. What a story. And so what can we learn from here? Well, we have a bunch of Israelites, and there's two voices, the voice of fear and the voice of faith. And there's four aspects of this I want to look at this morning. Here it is. The first is this one. Fear will tell you the obstacles are larger than you. Faith will tell you God is bigger than the obstacles. Fear will tell you the obstacles are larger than you. Fear will tell you your God is bigger than the obstacles. You see, there will always be obstacles in God's path. There will always be giants in your way on the path that God presents you. Why? To grow you. To conform you to the likeness of his son. Why? To bring glory to his name. Not by my strength, but by you, Lord. You know, in Psalm 23 that we looked at last week, he says, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that comes through overcoming challenges, not by ourselves, but because of him. And so, friends, the issue is not whether we find paths devoid of obstacles. The issue is whether you listen to fear or faith when you see them. We read it, don't we? An example of fear-based vision from the ten. They said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. 
This is Numbers 13, verse 33. And so were we in their eyes. You see, the ten spies allowed fear to tell them that they were smaller than they were and that the obstacles were larger than them. That's what fear will tell you. But not Joshua and Caleb. How did they respond? They saw the same giants. It's not that they weren't giants. They were giants. It was this. The fact they knew how big God was and therefore how insignificant the giants were. Instead of looking at themselves and comparing themselves to the giants, Joshua and Caleb compared God to the giants. Turns out God is bigger. (laughs) They saw the giants through faith-filled vision. Numbers 14 verse 9 says this, Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And how was it then? How was it that Joshua and Caleb were able to hear faith over fear? How was it they could see that God was indeed bigger than the obstacles? It's this, they knew his love. What did they say? The Lord is with us. God is with us. He loves us because perfect love casts out fear. It makes fear sound small. And if you're on a journey and God has presented something in front of you, and you say, Lord, those obstacles are going to swallow me up. Just say, Lord, just fill me with your love. Perfect love casts out fear. And what happens is you see how big God is and how small your obstacles are. Number two, what else do we read in this account? Fear will tell you you're not capable. Faith will tell you your giftings were made for this. Fear will tell you you're not capable. Faith will tell you your giftings were made for this. You see, when the Israelites, the rest of the Israelites, they looked at what they had and thought, nah, not us. We can't do this. They're giants. And it's the same refrain, isn't it, coming through from Adam. I'm naked. I'm exposed. I haven't got anything to give. But how did Joshua and Caleb respond in faithful vision? We read that in Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You see, they knew that God would equip them. We can certainly do it, they said. It reminds you of the story of David and Goliath. Little old David, and we see another giant, don't we? And David has the guts to say, yeah, I can do it. And he gets there, and they said, right, okay, well, here's all the armor you need, and this is the sword you normally use. And David's like, nah, that ain't going to work. I've got my sling. They're like, a sling? That's not going to work. But you see, David knew that God had gifted him for such a time as this. And I just get a sense in this season that God is saying to many of us, rewrite the rule book. You're going to do it in a new way, in my name. And many of you are looking at the paths ahead of you, and you're letting fear tell you you're not gifted for it. And God is saying, I've uniquely positioned you with a unique gift. Go use it. That's faith. That's faith. That's faith. Amen. 
So let me ask you a question. How was it that David was able to respond in that way? Well, if you look at the account of that story in 1 Samuel 17, in verse 37, you might want to make a note of it. He said this, The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. What is he saying here? The Lord, he loves me. Perfect love casts out fear. It makes fear sound small. Number three, fear will tell you your present is better than your future. Faith will tell you that the best is yet to come. Fear will tell you your present is better than your future and you better not lose it. Faith will tell you, I've got way more for you, son. I've got way more for you, daughter. See, what happens, you see, is faith, sorry, fear makes you hold on to the now, which means you're unable to move forward in what God has because you don't want to take a risk in his name for fear that you'll lose it all. We read this, you see, in this story. Numbers 14, verse 2 and 4. This is how the Israelites grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They completely forgot, didn't they, that they were slaves there. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. In other words, what we've got now is way worth protecting than what God has for us in the future. But you see, Joshua and Caleb responded in completely a different way. They said, no, 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 you got it wrong. They said, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. You see, they heard faith over fear. And for many of you, and I've seen it in my life, I haven't got time to tell you the stories, and God has called me to something new. There's a time where I started a business, and God said, go do this to Steph and I about 10 years ago, and we felt like God said, put all your money into this, and I left an amazing career and did it, stepped out in faith, and the enemy was saying, oh, that is foolishness because you're going to lose it all. But we had such a peace, and God said, no, do it, and we did it. And well, for a story for another time, we walked into his abundance. And for many of you, let me just tell you now, that fear is holding you back from doing something new in his name. Don't listen to fear. If you know God has spoken to you, don't let fear be big in your mind. Let faith be big that says God is for me and not against me. Number four, fear will tell you you didn't hear from God. Faith will tell you God has spoken. You see, God said in verse one, go and take the land. And now we have two chapters of debate about whether God said that or not. <laughs> you see, that's, this is the whole story about what happens when you don't listen to God and you accept the lie that he didn't speak to you. You see, it's not that fear denies that God speaks today. Fear is way more subtle than that. It says that you didn't hear from God. What about Noah? Man, what a man of faithful vision. Genesis 6, 9 to 22. You can read the story. God says, go build an ark because rain is coming. And he does it. And everyone around him is like, what are you doing, Noah? Don't you realize that this thing called rain doesn't occur here? You're crazy. God hasn't spoken to you, Noah, but yet he did it because faith told him that God has spoken to him. And you will have opposition as you walk in the path that God has for you. And there will be those that say to you, you're crazy. God hasn't spoken to you. 
Discern whether that's someone giving you wise counsel or discern whether that is fear stopping you from moving all that God has for you. And how was Noah able to walk in faith? We read it. It says in, that, in 9 to 22, he walked faithfully with the Lord, a picture of intimacy. He knew the love of the Father because perfect love casts out fear. It makes fear sound small. Faith will tell you your God is bigger than the obstacles. Faith will tell you your giftings were made for this. Faith will tell you that the best is yet to come. And faith will tell you that God has spoken. And now we're going to watch a video together about a couple who walked in the path that God had for them in faith. Saying yes to the very things that are in front of us. Which path is in front of you this morning? What's your Canaan? What path is God presenting to you that requires faith, not fear? Come Holy Spirit. You are all world changers. Revival starts here and with us. As we position ourselves in humility as he pours his grace into us. As we feast on him, he positions us to walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake that require us to respond with yes. And for many of you this morning, God is saying, this is my path for you. Will you walk it? And let me tell you, where fear came in through one man, Adam, love came in through one man, Jesus. And Jesus has made a way to restore relationship with the Father, to fill us with that love, to banish fear completely, so that we can see that God is bigger than our obstacles, so that we can see that our giftings were made for this, to see that the best is yet to come, and to see that God speaks to us individually. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. To see the Spirit just ministering to so many of you. And I'm going to ask you to do something brave this morning. If you feel that there's a path in front of you, and you've had maybe that path for a long time, but you've always resisted out of fear, and you want to say, yes, but Lord God, help me. Or a new path has opened up this very morning or these past few weeks, and you want to walk in that, then why don't you come to the front, and the team are just going to play a blessing on you. Don't worry about the people around you. You can move forward. Just come. Bless you. People coming from the back now. Come. There you go. Bless you. Come to the, come to the front. Because the Lord is going to cast out fear this morning as you step out. He's going to fill you with his perfect love. Come forward. There's plenty of space. That front row has disappeared for a reason. Come, come forward. Come, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Do your work, Lord. Bless you, King. Yeah, keep coming. Fan to the sides if you need to. Fan to the sides. Bless you, Lord. If you're on the balcony, come down. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, yes, Lord. It just starts by saying yes to the very paths that he has laid in front of you. Let us be like Joshua and Caleb and say, yes, we can take possession of it. 
Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're in the ministry team, if you're authorized to pray for people, just come to the front and just lay a hand on someone. Just say, Lord, just bless them. Bless what you're doing. Pour your love into them, I pray. Thank you. If you come forward, thank you, guys. Any ministry leaders, come forward. Let's, let's bless his people. And it's not too late. If you want to get prayer, come forward now. And as, as the team do that, We're going to sing now and worship together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.